Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm so excited about today's guest. We have Ayana Lage with us to talk about the intersection of social media and social justice and also her viral moment, which happened a couple of weeks ago. So I hope all of you are following her and I can't wait for you to hear from her. Yeah, it was a really fun interview. But before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow. But now they also have silk face masks. So we're super excited to tell you more about them later in the episode. But if you'd like to take 20% off your night order, you can use code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So before we get to our interview, Grace, do you have a hi this week? Yeah. So um, if you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but my Amazon drop collection launches tomorrow. Um, so excited. This obviously has been like a very long time coming. Um, I can't tell you what time it's going to launch, but if you click the link in my bio, you can get a text message to tell you the second that it drops. It is all so cute. I don't know if I can say this. Can I tell people that it's all under $60? It's all under $60. That was also a high. I was not that involved in pricing because obviously I cannot tell you how much money it costs to make something or how much fabrics cost. I did say, guys, I'd love this to be under $100, ideally under $60 if we can. Like don't sacrifice quality, obviously, but that would be just like a great price point. And they did it. So that made me really happy. I'm so excited. I will be competing with all of you out there to make sure that I get the pieces that I want before they sell out. Yeah, I do think the red leopard pattern is going to sell out, but we'll see. Well, I know what time it launches, so I'll be ready. (laughs) You will. And you're also signed up for text messages. So sign up. It's in the link in my Instagram bio if you want to sign up for that. Um, Becca, how about you? So my high is we actually recorded this episode at the end of the same week that we recorded last week's episode. So it's all the same week. We launched Rom-Com Pods this week on Monday. And I told you last time, last week's episode, that was not our plan to launch on the day we did, but we did it. But it's gone so well. It's gone so, so well. So many people have listened. The feedback has been phenomenal in that people are really loving it, which feels so meaningful because we spent so much time working on it. And I was so nervous putting it out there. You know, would people like this thing that came from our brains? Like it feels much more vulnerable than Bad on Paper does. You know, if somebody doesn't jive with this podcast, it's like, oh, whatever, not for you. But like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. But this thing that we created with Rom-Com Pods, because we wrote the script and because we produced and directed this whole thing, um, it just feels much more vulnerable. And so it, it, it's been really phenomenal that people have liked it so much. And we are actually the number one fiction podcast. It's so great. And I've beaten out my nemesis, Cole Sprouse. Who is Cole Sprouse? I've been seeing this on your Instagram and I'm I'm just not invested enough to look him up. I'm like, Becca's number one. That's all I need to know. So, I, okay. So first of all, he is my nemesis in that I mean, he has no idea who I am and he doesn't care about our rivalry, but I care about yeah. it. So Cole Sprouse is a actor who is currently, he's Jughead on Riverdale. Okay. But he's also um, Ross Ross's son from Friends. He's Ben Geller okay. as a child. And then he was on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on Nickelodeon. And um, he was that kid from Big Daddy, the Adam Sandler movie. Uh, I, I watched well, it a long time ago, but I don't remember. Anyway, he's an actor. He has like a huge following and he also launched a fiction podcast in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> and um, so they were number one. And so I was 
I just have been like joking that it's my mission to beat Cole Sprouse. And now I'm taking this way too seriously. I love it. Um, but as of today, we're we're currently beating him, which feels great. That's amazing. Feels great. I'm so happy for you guys. It's been really exciting. Also, um, we started writing season two this week. Oh, I cannot wait. It's underway. I wrote the first draft of the first episode. So can you tell people what it's about? I can't tell you anything specific, but it is set on the campaign trail of a fictionalized version of the 2020 presidential election. Ooh. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with Trump or Biden or any real people, but it is about a presidential election and campaign staffers and people surrounding it. Love it. Um, so I think it'll be really fun and timely. And our plan right now is to launch it in October. Cool. So, yeah. So fun. So that's been my high. And I've been riding like very high. It, it feels like this was just, I mean, we, we've been working on it for five months. So it's like, I don't know, I feel euphoric that it's out in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I don't really have a low. I don't feel comfortable being like complaining about my life right now when so much is still happening. I do. What's your low? I feel comfortable complaining about my life. <laughs> Not complaining about, I don't feel com- feel comfortable complaining about like the little micro bullshit in my life. But um, one thing that has been happening for me, and I don't know if this is just me or maybe if anyone else will resonate with this, is that in the past couple of weeks, I feel like I have been having a body negativity moment. Oh, no. And I don't know if it is specifically because of quarantine, because yeah. here we are in New York. We're still, everything is still closed. We're in week, this when this airs, it'll be week 12 of quarantine. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, So I don't know if it's like part of that, just being like feeling very stationary and like. Yeah, I feel very sedentary. Being able to just focus on my body more because I'm just like, I don't leave my house. I don't know anything to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's that because I have seen obviously there's memes that are like very unhelpful about gaining weight during quarantine but I mean I I just like it started because I weighed myself I'd get I'd gained like five pounds I think it was mostly water weight because like it's half gone but yeah I don't know I just like I'm having a body negativity moment why do you weigh yourself I haven't weighed myself except for at the doctor in like years I don't know I don't feel like I have a bad relationship with weighing myself like I've heard yeah. other people talk about, but I just go, I have this one pair of jean shorts and if those fit me, I'm like, okay, I'm all right. Like, I don't know. So, and then the other thing I was thinking is because we've been getting ready to launch rom-com pods and so much of that feels out of my control. Maybe this is also just a control thing in terms of like something stressing yeah. about my body because it is something that is within my control. Yeah. Um, I don't have a solution, um, but I've been having just like a lot of body negativity feelings but i do have an instagram follow as part of my instagram obsessions who's somebody that i've newly discovered and very much enjoy that's great but that's how i'm feeling that's my low cool i don't cool i no not (laughs) cool cool. you hate your body no no i don't have one i I don't have anything to say i'm Um, i'm kidding yeah but i know how that feels and i go through that all the time and it's not a good feeling so i'm working through that yeah. I think it's the control thing. I think that makes a lot of sense. It could be. Yeah. And just being stuck inside all the, like, it's been, it's great. It's, I thought it's been longer than 12 weeks. I, I don't know where time's even going, but we've just been stuck inside by ourselves for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk to Ayana. Ayana Lage is a freelance marketer and writer based in Tampa, Florida. She is a former journalist and has written about pregnancy loss, mental health, and other topics on her blog. She's expecting her first child in August, 
And Ayana recently caught our eye and many others with a few different viral videos. The first one being about virtue signaling and whether it's performative to post about Black Lives Matter. She's since done several more videos talking about microaggressions, Blackout Tuesday, and more. If you haven't seen her videos, we highly recommend taking a peek. Welcome, Ayana. Hi, I am so excited to be chatting with you guys. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for for being here with us today. We cannot wait to talk. So the first question we ask everyone is, now that we introduced you, can you tell us a little bit about your career in your own words from college through now? Yeah, of course. So when I was in college, I went to the University of Florida and I was very much like my goal in life was to become a newspaper journalist. And I kind of like started getting the vibe during college Um, even though I was good at it, that I didn't want to do it forever, but I was very much like, no, like this is what I'm going to do. But anyway, my first job out of college was at a newspaper. It was a lot of fun, but I made no money. (laughs) (laughs) It was so stressful. Uh, so yeah, I, I made the switch over to marketing like a year or so out of college and worked for a digital marketing agency. And then from there, I, um, Went full-time freelance for a while, did some writing for Bustle, didn't like freelance life, got another job doing digital marketing. And then finally, last year, um, March 2019, I quit my job to become full-time freelance. But this time I was like actually ready for it instead of um, the first time that I like decided to pursue full-time freelance, I'd been laid off from a job. So it was kind of like... I was like, okay, let's turn lemons into lemonade, but it wasn't lemonade. It wasn't. I was just like, I was not in a good space. Yeah. So since last year, it's been, I guess now like a year and a few months, I've been working for myself. That's awesome. It's been been a journey (laughs) for sure. Do you like it? I feel like Grace and I both started working for ourselves and now I'm like, I will do anything I have to, to not have to work for anyone else. Exactly. For the rest of my career. I feel like both yes and no. Like it depends on the day, honestly. Like sometimes I'm like, wow, it would be really nice to get paid every two weeks. Sure. (laughs) Like that that would be fun. But honestly, you know, I do, I do really like it. And, you know, I am seven months pregnant. So there is a lot of flexibility that I'm really grateful for, you know, not having to like worry about like going back to the office right away and all of that. Like I'm really, really excited for that. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So it's been an intense couple of weeks. How are you oh, feeling? Yeah. Tired, mostly. I feel like that's the overwhelming and, and it's a combination, I think, of like pregnancy tired, but also being emotionally drained. Uh, you know, I was telling my husband that it it's a little bit, and this is going to sound absolutely probably just like bonkers, but to me, it kind of feels like how you see stories about people who win the lottery and they're talking about like all the downsides of winning the lottery. And you're like, that's silly. That I would love to have a ton of money. I, I have not made any more money in the past <laughs> two weeks, to be clear. But as a content creator and as someone who has devoted so much time to trying to grow my audience, um, going viral, especially for something good, because I feel like a lot of influencers go viral for <laughs> the wrong reasons now. Um, You know, it's pretty much a dream come true, but I didn't expect it to be as just tiring as it has been. So I think like tired, but also grateful is probably like the best way for me to put it. Yeah. Let's talk about going viral. So we said in our intro that we discovered you through a video you did about virtue signaling and it got 
as of this morning, 912,000 views. And as yeah. a result of that, and some of the other videos you created, you gained 30,000 plus followers in the past two weeks. So yes. talk to us about how that all feels. Yeah. So good question. How does it feel? No, I mean, the virtue signaling video, it's so funny because I shared that on Instagram stories, like not even really thinking anything of it. And then someone kind of asked me, what's the easiest way to share this with a friend? Because I really want to send this to them, but I don't want to say like, hey, go watch this girl's stories before they expire in 24 hours. And I was like, okay, that's a good point. And I've, I've never, I, you know, I feel like we all kind of show our faces on stories, right? But I've never uploaded videos of me just like talking to the camera on my Instagram feed. But I was kind of like, you know, whatever. I feel like this is something that people might find valuable. So I just kind of um, downloaded the stories from, from like, from my Instagram stories and then shared it as a video. And it's so funny because I was telling one of my friends, I was like, had I known that it would go viral, like... It would have probably been like, I would have probably like done my hair or done my makeup or, you know, just because like, um, even like if you've seen the video, the sound cuts off in some parts, like it's clearly like not, I mean, it was just me talking to what, like, I felt like kind of like talking to a friend on Instagram stories, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, had I known that it would be shared so widely, might've done some things differently, but I feel like it helps the perfectionist in me that it's doing so well, even <laughs> though it's like clearly not like a well-produced video or anything like that. What I really liked about your videos was it felt like it was coming from a friend. Like I felt like, oh, this is just my friend, like explaining to me what, what is okay to say and what's not. Well, that's comforting. I mean, I think that that was kind of like, I really, when I made it I made it in response to questions that I'd gotten basically saying because I'd just been sharing on stories like hey be aware of what you're sharing on social this weekend because I think that this is when everyone is really protesting like the protests were really picking up and so I shared an Instagram post onto my stories from someone else basically saying like you know it can be like really jarring to see a selfie or a picture of your lunch when it feels like so many people are out there fighting for their lives. Um, and I got a couple of messages from people who were just kind of like, well, how do you know? Basically, and I, and I completely under, understood what they meant, which just basically like, are you saying that you have to post it on social media or, you know, or you're not doing the work or it didn't happen? Um, like, how do you know what's going on behind the scenes in my life? Which I thought was a fair question because I know that it's not everyone's inclination to do something good and then like go brag about it on Instagram. <laughs> like, hey, look at me. I donated to this charity. Um, like that definitely isn't something that feels natural to me. Um, so I kind of like thought through what they were asking and then that's why I shared on stories. Um, so I, it's just funny because I do feel almost like I was talking, like I was directly responding to questions from a friend and then, you know, it just blew up, which was so unexpected. I honestly, it was so helpful and it really changed my point of view because I had actually said something on stories before this where I was like, some of this just feels very um, performative, like right. some of the sharing. And, you know, it, it kind of feels, it kind of felt to me before your video where it was like, oh, this just feels so insufficient, you know, like right. a man was killed and now I'm going to like 
post about it on my Instagram story and like <laughs> totally and, and, I completely understand and so I was kind of feeling like I was like I feel like my job is more to be silent and to listen than it is to share and right. I feel like your video in particular was so helpful in understanding like why it is important to be sharing rather than being silent because you know my first inclination was like I will shut up and like give the mic to somebody else <laughs> right you know and the funny thing is um like, and I got a couple of DMs after it started spreading from people who were kind of like, okay, I watched your video. But then another black person on Twitter said that like white people need to shut up right now. And like, and I was kind of like, well, yes, because, uh, you know, and I think I said this in one of the following videos, like there are varying opinions among any people group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I think that that was kind of the two. I mean, I have to be honest. I usually don't respond well to social media posts or call outs that are like, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you should be doing. I mean, clearly there are some things that are right and wrong, but in general, with something like, should I post this on social media? Should I post a black square on my feed? You know, I just have never personally like taken well to being told what to do if there's room for interpretation. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that my goal was to kind of show like, okay, there is some nuance here. There may not be a right answer, but here are the benefits, you know, looking at like this or looking at like that. Um, So basically like a long winded way to say that, like, I was just kind of hoping to show another perspective for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a quick break to talk about one of our favorite sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Knight. Knight is the makers of our favorite pillow. But besides this amazing pillow and the scrunchies and the eye masks and the silk face masks, um, and I'm talking about the beauty face masks, um, and so many other good things. Today we want to talk about their brand new silk face masks as in fabric face masks to help keep you safe. Um, These just launched on the website. Yes. So if you've been watching my stories, you've seen me wearing this mask a lot. I was so excited when Knight introduced masks because it makes so much sense. So the brand was founded on finding materials that combine efficacy with beauty benefits. So it was a total no-brainer to adapt their signature silk into a face mask that feels great and promotes clean, healthy skin. Yeah. So if you follow me on Instagram, you might notice that I have collected quite an assortment of masks. And this one is far and away my favorite. And it's really funny. I didn't even realize that like some of the masks that I'm wearing are kind of giving me some skin problems. Like I feel like I go for these long walks and some of them just aren't very breathable. And I will get home and it's like, that whole area of my face is like super greasy and gross. It's like sweaty because you're like breathing in it. And then yeah. like it's like its own little echo chamber Whoa. of like gross. Yeah. The silk is much more breathable. And like I don't have to like so I always have to like wash my face as soon as I get home and take the face mask off. I don't have to do that when I wear this mask. Yeah, it it's really nice. It doesn't irritate my skin. I was getting some breakout patches from just like breathing my own air inside my mask on long walks which sounds disgusting and it is it is disgusting so what are we gonna do i love that it has a smart design so it has adjustable ear loops so you can pull it so that it's snug so that it doesn't like um gape on the side and then it also has an adjustable nose clip which is so crucial because that way you can form the mask to your nose and my breath doesn't fog up my sunglasses which is such a new mask problem that I didn't even think of before. So we both went for the blush, but they also come in four cute colors. They have blush, gunmetal, black, and champagne. Yeah, and the masks also come with disposable filters. 
And here's one of both of our favorite parts about these masks. For every mask purchased, Knight will donate five surgical masks to a, a local New York hospital. They just launched these and they have donated more than 10,000 masks already, which is incredible. And as always, we have an offer for you. So if you want to try Knight's face mask or any of their amazing beauty sleep products, you can head to discovernight.com and use code BOP20 at checkout. So again, that's discovernight.com and use code BOP20 at checkout. Back to the episode. So you've had all of this growth. Like, how has this impacted you? I'm curious to hear both personally and professionally. Yeah, um, it's been it's been pretty wild. I remember I texted I texted my mom. I think because the first video went up on a Monday, and then I made another one on Tuesday that also got like hundreds of thousands of views. And I texted my mom the next day on Wednesday, and I was like, "Mom, like I think that like by the end of the year, I could have thirty five thousand Instagram followers." And she was even like, "I don't know about that." I mean, you know how moms are. She's like very honest. She was like, "Oh, like maybe I started at thirteen thousand, which I built up over almost three years." So like, I think that in our minds, it was kind of like, there's no way that this is going to keep going. But now, like right now I have 49,000 Instagram followers, which is unexpected. Sing it, mom. (laughs) I feel like you and I talked. (laughs) Totally. But I feel like you and I talked like two days ago and you had 45,000. No, that is definitely a thing. Well, because here's the thing. When this goes live, she's going to have like 60,000, I bet. Shut up. You will. On Sunday, I had 40,000. I woke up to Sunday and hit 40,000 followers. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And then today, I have 49,000. So I don't know. It's very, it's just very strange. Um, because I mean, like, as you mentioned, professionally, you know, my kind of part time side hustle has been working with brands, uh, you know, to create content. Um, along with my freelancing. So I definitely have in the last like couple of days, I've gotten a couple of brands reaching out. And one of my friends who works in influencer marketing told me that like she receives like from one of the agencies or whatever that she worked partners with, she receives a list of mid-tier influencers each week that they are like recommending or whatever. And for the first time she saw my name on the list and she's like, you're no longer a micro-influencer. You're now a mid-tier influencer. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Um, you know, so so that has been that has been interesting. I think that I felt conflicted over it because obviously like what the reason that these protests happened and then by extension my post happened is obviously because of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna uh, Breonna Taylor and you know all of these things happening back to back to back and it just kind of building up to this moment where no one could ignore it anymore so you know I definitely did have some guilt, you know, because it felt almost like, am I exploiting what's happening? You know, like, it's great that brands are reaching out. And it's awesome to have this following. But like, I don't want it to be like, I'm capitalizing on like this really tragic, really dark moment in our country's history. So you know, I think that professionally, so far, it's only been good. (laughs) Personally, I've definitely battled, you know, some of that inner conflict, for sure. At least how I feel, having followed a bunch of new people in the past two weeks is that, it was kind of a wake-up call where not even intentionally, but I realized that 
a lot of the black women that I was following were specifically authors and in the book world. But then as as far as like influencers go, there weren't many people in the fashion space or in kind of just like the more personality space that I was following. And so it felt like not exciting, like that's not the right thing to say, but it was like positive to be able to find all these new people because I know I've seen some of the new people that I followed who are black women saying that they are either fearful that everyone will just like leave in two weeks or a month or whatever. Oh, completely. That is totally how I feel. Yeah. Or that they felt like everyone was like disingenuous and I'm like, no, I'm... I really truly am excited to be following these people and it wasn't necessarily something that feels like just for a moment to do. It's like, oh no, like I need to do better and like work to find other people outside of my like usual followers. I'm also such a stingy follower. I don't like following that many people. So I'm I'm, well, I'm the same way. And I I think that yeah, I mean, I think that my thought process, you know, throughout this has been like, is it just like I was talking actually funnily enough on another podcast, but we were talking about how like it almost feels like like a New Year's resolution, like how you're like going to go to the gym every day or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And like you have like a couple of weeks where it feels awesome and then you fall off the wagon. But with like diversifying <laughs> the content that you're consuming. So I mean, I think that that I've gotten so many reassuring messages from people who are like, hey, even if I started following you because I've been, I was called out and, you know, or I just personally like felt this realization that I don't follow enough. Um, you know, I don't have like a diverse group that I'm following. I'm staying because I enjoy what you're sharing and I, I find it valuable. And so that I think has been good. Um, and it's definitely helped with feeling like this is all very temporary. So I know you said that you were talking about likening this to winning the lottery and then like realizing all the downsides. So we put out a call for questions um, to our audience and one person wrote back, um, how can a new follower, and I'm going to say that she's a white follower, best support you? And she said she wants to lift you up, but not overwhelm. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. <laughs> um, that is incredibly kind. Um, I also do feel like for the most part, I've gotten some absolutely nasty direct messages, but the people who are reaching out are like the kindest people in the world. Um, You know, I mean, I think that I I guess it's kind of difficult because for me, it's like, I enjoy it if someone, like if someone DMs me a compliment or DMs me and says, thank you for this. Like I genuinely take it to heart. Um, So I'm never going to, it's, it's difficult because I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is at least right now with like, again, like the viral moment and all of that, um, I don't think there's any way for me to not feel overwhelmed because yeah. again, I went from having like this very small, well, not, I mean, I'm not saying the 13,000 followers is like nothing, but comparatively a very small audience. And, you know, again, like my followers were nowhere near as engaged as the people who are following me now. So, I mean, I think that in general, it's just like, like I was even talking to Grace about like, now I have to devote time each day to answering direct messages instead of it being like, oh, I got a DM, let me respond. It's like, okay, I'm carving out this hour to respond to people, uh, which is just such a bizarre feeling. You know what I mean? I think that as long as, I think the one thing that people have done that has been, that I've kind of decided that I almost need to reclaim my time with is asking me um, very simple questions that are easily found on Google. You know, and I I think that because I used to be a journalist and I like helping people learn and all of that, that at first I was like, oh yeah, like I'll explain this to you. Like someone literally messaged me, granted, in case she's listening, she was very lovely 
in her response and very receptive and we had a good conversation but she messaged me and was like why aren't you focusing on native americans or on hispanic people or on you know and so i mean i did respond basically say like hey this is why you shouldn't all lives matter what's happening right now and again i don't begrudge her for sending that to me but at the same time, especially like as my audience is growing and I'm trying to balance this, I have reached a point where if someone is asking me something that I feel like isn't, it is not a question that only I can answer or isn't something that like they want my take on specifically, but could be easily found on Google, I just don't respond or else I would be on my phone all day. That's uh, fair. And I do have a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, I think that that's been the balance. I mean, I think really the only thing that has that someone could do that would be helpful is not asking me like, again, like very basic um, things, but I don't want to sound like a diva because I like talking to people and meeting new people. You know what I mean? I don't ever want people to be afraid to reach out. It's just difficult when you have like so many of the same question. um, And you kind of are like, I can clearly know that you haven't done any research or else you would have your answer, you know? So that's really been the only thing. So let's talk a little bit about the current social landscape. What are you seeing right now that you'd say is good? I I feel like I've seen a lot of really good things come out of this. And you know, I, it's difficult because there's a part of me that obviously wants to question the motivation of like literally every brand ever. Um, But you know, I think it's awesome that so many brands are highlighting black influencers and black creatives in a way that they really haven't ever done before. I really hope that it lasts and that a year from now, you know, there's still like really focused on inclusion. And, you know, I think that people are having really hard conversations. Like I've had messages from people who were like, Hey, like I finally, I finally talked to my racist uncle about like why he, you know, needs to stop. One of my friends actually kind of reached a decision that they're probably going to have to cut off contact with their mom because it was just like, they were kind of hopeful that like, this would be the moment that made her realize. And she still was very much like, why don't we care when white people are killed by the police? You know, like kind of the standard responses you hear if you read through any Facebook comment section. Yeah. Um, And she has kids and she was just kind of like, is this what I want my kids to grow up around? If I'm trying to raise these kids who are loving people and anti-racist, like how then can I have them be watched by their grandma who basically says racism isn't real? Right. So, I mean, I I think that people are having these moments, um, whether it's a brand or just an individual person or an influencer, where you're kind of confronting biases that you may not have realized that you had and trying to be more inclusive. You know, for me, it's been really encouraging. I'm glad. Have you been seeing anything that you feel like is counterproductive or bad? You don't have to name names. no, for sure. Tell us all the names. I want That's names. not what I'm asking. I did. Just what kidding. if I had a list ready? Oh my god. What if it was like Ayana's like bad list? Ayana's naughty list. <laughs> I would I mean I should have prepared one. No, I mean, I think that being online has just been so exhausting. Yeah. Um, I mean it always is, but I feel like in like unique ways. You know, and I think that it's it is very difficult on the brand side. It's like it's hard because I'm like some of these brands are probably capitalizing on this for me as a person. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is actually I think this is really funny that I did this. My husband was kind of like, you need to calm down and stop seeking out drama. But like I saw <laughs> I saw a like Blackout Tuesday square after I made a video about how it didn't have to be performative allyship. I saw a Blackout Tuesday square from a pastor at our old church who'd like 
made openly racist comments around me and never apologized. So I commented publicly and said, (laughs) remember when you made fun of the way that black people spoke and then never apologized? He never responded. So it it didn't make it. it, I don't think he's seen it yet. So I keep on refreshing his profile. (laughs) It's a very emotionally healthy and mature thing to to pick an internet fight with someone who I don't, who I haven't seen in years. Um, But, you know, I have had those moments where, I am so encouraged by this movement, but then I become jaded because I do see, you know, Blackout Tuesday or even Black Lives Matter from people who I have experienced their racism um, firsthand. And I, from my knowledge there, I mean, and a part of me is like, who knows, this could be the moment, you know, that changes everything for them. Like I try to have kind of, I, I try to assume the best of everyone. But, you know, it's it's even funny because I know that some brands have been called out because after sharing like Black Lives Matter, then their employees are like, actually, yeah, no, they don't here. And so I've been following that, too. I don't think that that is counterproductive. I think it's more so enlightening. But seeing that happen, it's like, man, like how many brands are there whose employees are too afraid to speak out, who are now getting all of the support, you know, for being such, you know such allies and it's all just because they want to make sales yeah so i think that i think that being online the last couple of weeks has probably made me a little bit more jaded Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so that has been um that's been the only thing um that i i feel like i'm questioning everyone's intentions now which i would love not to do yeah Let's take a break to talk about Sarah Flint, which is one of our favorite shoe brands. So have you seen that meme about quarantine that says something like, all my shoes must think I'm dead? It's it's yes. seriously so true. But now that we're looking towards reopening, I'm starting to think about summer shoes. Yes. So Sarah Flint makes our favorite shoes for both looks and comfort. My favorite shoes from them, which you've probably seen me wear on Instagram, is the perfect block sandal. It is, um, it's just got a simple block sandal. It's so cute. You can dress it up. You can dress it down. It's literally the perfect summer occasion shoe because it elevates your outfit but it's also so comfortable that you can wear it for hours and hours and be perfectly comfortable. So the shoe comes in five colors and also three heel heights. Um, you can find your match w- whether you like a little height or a lot. And I have the middle height um, in the tan leather. And they are just the most versatile, perfect summer sandal. And they also have some new arrivals that are really cute flat sandals. So one is called the Greer, and that one's my favorite. It's a Grecian-style sandal that has cotton ties that wrap around your ankle. And then there's also the Joy sandal, which is a really simple crisscross silhouette. And I love that both of these are stylish looking, but they're kind of dressier flat sandals in that I could wear them with a dress if I was in the mood to, if I was going somewhere but didn't want to wear a heel. Yeah, I just got the gold joy sandal and I love like I love how shiny the leather is. It's so pretty and I just think it's like the perfect shoe for like a summery maxi dress. Um, the biggest reason that we love Sarah Flint is because of the craftsmanship. Um, if you follow my blog, you've heard me talk about this constantly, but all of the shoes are handmade in Italy using incredible materials that you'd be paying way more from from other luxury shoe brands. But we also need to talk about how comfortable they are. So I got my first pair of Sarah Flint heels last year, and I now own four. <laughs> 
I'm not even going to tell you how many I own because it's bad. Well, they're so freaking comfortable, which has not been my experience with other heels. Like, I'm not one of those people who wears heels all the time and is like, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me. These ones are so comfortable. So all of the shoes in their perfect line have um, what's called their perfect features. So they have an anatomical arch support. They have an inset block heel. So it feels like you have more support even with a stiletto. And there's three millimeters of extra memory foam cushioning in the footbed. So if you want to invest in a pair of gorgeous shoes that are both high quality and comfortable, you have to check out Sarah Flint. And we have an offer for you. So you can head to sarahflint.com and use code sarahflint-bop to get $50 off your first order. Again, that is sarahflint, S-A-R-A-H-F-L-I-N-T.com and use code S-A-R-A-H-F-L-I-N-T dash B-O-P and that's in all caps to get $50 off your first order. We'll put that in the show notes for you too and the Facebook group. Yeah, that's kind of a mouthful. So we'll we'll let you know. Yeah. Back to the episode. So not everyone's a brand or an influencer, especially people who listen to this podcast. For sure. Um, we would love for you to talk maybe a little bit about how you think regular people can and should use their social presence to support Black Lives Matter or just generally supporting anti-racism. Yeah. You know, I actually saw um, a post on Instagram from someone that um, that I thought was really interesting. And it basically, because I'm all about, you know, shouting it out, being public about your support, having hard conversations with the people in your life who then challenge you um, on social media. But, you know, I also kind of have this had this thought after seeing this post to kind of explain this. Like if you were only sharing on Instagram stories about this and you're wanting to become anti-racist, like your, again, racist uncle is not watching your Instagram stories. Like your, you know, the people in your life who, you know, might, um, especially, you know, when I'm thinking about like older relatives or, or whatever it is, like, um, it can, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the post that I wrote is basically saying like, Hey, like, especially if you are like carefully pick your friends and all of that, like you posting on social media could be an echo chamber. Like you might not get any negative feedback, but then you might have people in your immediate life who are still very much racist. So it was talking about the importance of in-person conversations and like confronting it at the dinner table, even if it's awkward, instead of it just being like, okay, like I shared a black square or I, you know, shared this anti-racist post on my Facebook, um, you know, the importance of having those conversations in real life. But I mean, in general, I think that the way that I look at it is if you commit to doing what you've done these past two weeks regularly in your life, instead of it just being like, all right, like that's enough activism (laughs) back to back to normal, you know, which funnily enough, I um, I've seen influencers and just regular people get criticized for saying like, verbatim like okay like back to normal (laughs) I'm returning to normal content like my feed is going back to normal and it's kind of just like well sure but for some of us this is normal you know what I mean so I think that it's just a matter of integrating it into your daily life whatever that looks like for you yeah let's talk a little bit about influencers so you had some stories the other day about a friend of yours who got just like totally mistreated by a brand in that They were the brand was like, what's your rate? And then 
she wrote back with her rate and then the brand wrote back and they were like, oh, I'm sorry. No, we can only do this for trade. Um, you misunderstood. We don't pay right. influencers. And it was like, well, you you literally clearly do because you asked for my rate. But I just wanted to hear generally, like, what have you seen or, you know, what is your observations of how Black creators have like previously been treated by brands and like what needs to change? Yeah. And that's such a great question. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that me and my friends have been open about this as long as I've been kind of in the space. Like it is normal for brands to have campaigns that are all white women who look the same. Like, and I'm not saying they actually look the same, but I mean, have the same look about them. Sure. I'm usually thin, attractive white women. It's common for brand trips, you know, and exclusive events and conferences to have basically like the same type of woman and um, for there to be no size diversity or racial diversity. So even though me and my friends, you know, have worked with brands and have been moderately successful before all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, we have all experienced, I mean, literally, I think every Black creative on Instagram that I follow or engage with, um, some smaller scale, some large scale have experienced growth, unexpected growth over the past couple of weeks. Um, So with that in mind, it's kind of like, okay, we're in this moment where people are finally waking up and they're wanting to engage with Black creatives. Brands are finally being, I mean, whether they're waking up or being called out and wanting to make the optics optics look better, they're trying to diversify. But in light of all of that, so, you know, like with what happened to my friend Amanda, you know, and she um, went public about it and the brand apologized and it became like this huge, terrible thing because like the brand's defenders like came to their rest you and we're like attacking her oh my god she sent me a message she got that was like from a white woman she of course is a black woman blogger and the white woman said you were probably one of the most privileged people on the planet i would kill for brands to email me stop acting like a victim that was like literally the message it's like okay so you know speaking out about these things can be i think it's so important but it can be exhausting because i mean i also not to the same extent that she did but i also received some not so nice messages from people who accused us of making it about race. And so my thing was, even with that brand, like, no, I don't think that someone sat down and said, we're not going to pay her because she's black. Like it's, it's much subtler than that. And it's just the idea that our work has been overvalued and overlooked for so long that now we're, we're kind of waking up, people are waking up. Um, and you know, we've kind of been emboldened to say like, no, this isn't okay when we know that, you know, and, and I want to make it clear that at least from the influencer side, because after I kind of shared in support of her, someone was like, I have like an Etsy shop. Like, I'm so sorry if I've ever offended anyone. And I'm like, well, there's a difference between a small business reaching out to a blogger and a multi-million dollar brand who has worked with some of the top names in the game who would never do work for free, reaching out in this cultural moment and offering a black woman money and then taking it back in the next right and you know so I mean I think that in general that it's difficult because I think that you know none of us want to be like tokenized by brands or like become a brand's proverbial black friend like they're proof that they aren't racist or that they aren't discriminatory by having you know oh well we've worked with this black woman but I'm also glad that they have been challenged and are diversifying you know so I mean I think that in general just that brands should look at who they're working with they should I mean they should probably look at their own you know internal leadership as well because at least for me as a black woman when I worked at a digital marketing agency I didn't do influencer marketing but you know we had people at our company who did and because um 
you know, our office was actually like we, um, it was still majority white, but we had several black people in the marketing department. Diversity was a thing when we were, you know, because I feel like when you have different voices and different lived experiences in the same room as you're choosing an influencer, obviously that's going to impact who you pick, you know? So, I mean, I think that if a brand is looking to do better, um, a part of that is probably like looking inward at first and saying like, hey, do we even have any um, non-white people who are making these decisions? Yeah, I think the decision maker part is so key there because I don't know, I've been talking to a lot of different people and I think one of the real problems, and I think this is a kind of a an effect of systematic racism is that people follow the people that look like them, right? Like I want to follow influencers who have my body type. I want to follow influencers who have the same kind of hair as I do so I can like learn from them how to style my own hair. And because of that, like you need to have social media teams and influencer outreach teams that are diverse. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I, and I think that, um, you know, it's funny because I even got a DM from someone and they said, this is going to sound so so stupid of me, but I didn't even realize that there were black influencers. What? What blew my mind? I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that they didn't think oh that my black god. people were like forbidden from being influencers. <laughs> oh my but- god! Oh my god! I. I, I, I'm, sh- I'm like actually, I don't know how to even respond. I, to that. I can understand if somebody said I have never followed a black influencer, but like I didn't realize there were any. Well, you know, it was. I was. I was like. Okay. But you know, I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe if you're in that bubble, like if you only engage with people who look like you sure. and your explore page is people who look like you and you hang out with people who look like you, like maybe it genuinely would not occur to you that there are people who don't look like you, who you could, you know, read their blog or yeah. read their work. Um, but yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. I definitely think that, you know, that the decision makers should not all look the same either. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think diversity in fashion and beauty looks without tokenism? Like, I'm especially thinking of brands that, you know, only have budgets for a few influencers or like ad campaigns that, you know, might only feature one person. Like, what does that look like to you in a way that feels good? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that in general, um, and I also think that what felt so just like, egregious about the earlier example that you mentioned with my friend yeah is that this was a brand that had somewhere between two and six people of color featured on their feed in january to june i started laughing because amanda said that they only featured two people of color and then someone else went back and they were like well i counted i think that there are six um i'm like okay the point is two or six it doesn't matter if you're posting every day (laughs) right There were only, you could count them on. That's 180 days to post and they posted six. (laughs) Yes. Two to six. I mean, we could average it and say four, whatever. Sure. Let's say six though. Even (laughs) even going up. Right. You know, so I think that to do all of that and then once kind of this movement starts to shift to only posting black models, which is what they did, and then to do what they did just kind of felt like what is wrong with you. You know, I mean, I think that there is a way to, um, I think that, I don't know, I'm torn because I've seen some brands, you know, fashion and beauty brands that have kind of flooded their feeds with black creators. Um, And a part of me is thrilled because I'm like, wow, I've found so many awesome people through that. But another part of me is like, is this like the brand version of like, I have a black friend? Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's difficult to even, I, so I mean, answering your question, I think that if you are just able to incorporate it in a, in a um, natural way, 
like in an, in a way that feels organic and like not forced, then that's probably for the best. Yeah, I feel like there's you can sometimes feel intent behind it or feel just like authenticity. Like um, Samin Nosrat, who is like one of my favorite food people, has posted nothing but black um, chefs and restaurateurs and bar- bartender. Not bartender sounds like it's mixologist. Mixologist, yeah, that's what I was looking yes. for. Um, in the past, you know, a couple of weeks, and it, it obviously feels like it's coming from such like a genuine place, and it's like a delight to see who the people right. that she's featuring, and um, I think she's done such a good job. But then I can also see if other people or brands were doing that, you would be like, "Whoa, like this right. feels weird," and especially like you know when you get the um, anti-racism um, email from like I don't know, I can't think of an example, but like you're like toothpaste brand, and you're like, "Oh, right. like." This or from fe- like a restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten so many strange anti-racism emails from weird brands this week. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm glad you have a stance. Yeah, like I, I hope this is authentic and I hope this isn't just like capitalizing on a moment. But this like this feels weird to hear this from yes. you, toothpaste brand. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like the COVID-19 emails where like. Oh, yeah. I was like, in some of those meetings. For the month of March, it was just like, we are standing with you. Like, we are with you. And it's like a place that you ordered from once three years ago. Um, and it's very <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> You know, and I get why, because then, like, it's kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. Because if you don't, not the people call you out. Yeah. If you do it, we're kind of like, okay. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I mean, I've appreciated, you know, seeing brands that have also shared, like, here's what we're doing differently. Yeah. Um, and, and made those steps public. You know, I think that that has definitely been really refreshing. Yeah, I, I do appreciate, like, the, the concrete action plan type yeah. things more so than just, like, we stand with our black employees. I can't remember what brand it was, but one brand got called out because then w- their employees spoke up and it was like, no, it's employee, like singular. <laughs> right, like there's only, there's only one. Yeah, He's like, it's just me. So- oh my gosh. Um, or like, I mean, they've ke- really came under fire this week, but like the anthropology with like the whole like love and light and things. Yes. It's like, just don't post. I feel like we're being negative now. Yeah. What brands have you seen that you think are doing it really well already, even before this, that like, I don't know, deserve snaps. Well, the funny thing is, like you're saying before this movement, because yeah. I feel like um this might just be like a, a symptom of the brands that I follow. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like the only brands that I personally, and again, I can't speak, I mean, I only follow like a few brands. Sure. But the brands that the only brands that I follow who I felt were really like excelling at this beforehand um were owned by non-white people just to be completely honest yeah um and i'm not saying that that brand isn't out there you know those already excelling at diversity um i personally just don't follow a lot of brands on social media um you know or like get a lot of email lists but um you know, I do think that um, it's it's just so difficult because I feel like for a lot of brands, it's like even for me, like it would be refreshing to see like a black woman um, in an ad or a mixed family. Um, but then I'm like thinking like it's also kind of wild because I know that white people don't have this feeling like no one is, is like, oh, wow, like they used a white model. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to buy from them, you know? And, and so, I mean, that is kind of... Um, that's kind of the interesting thing about it. But, you know, I've been impressed with like, I know that um, a lot of the brands that I follow have specifically like specified that they are doing like way better diversity training or they are donating um, even without any public 
scandals. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're just saying like, we genuinely want to do better. Like, here's what we plan to do. You know, so in general, I feel like I, I've had to like personally cancel a couple of brands. Um, and honestly, it's mainly been just like local, just seeing people kind of completely fail at handling yeah. this. But overall, I haven't been too disappointed. Good. Um, do you have any brands that you think are actually doing it well now? Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm gonna say this wrong, which is really embarrassing. I've I've, I've been told that it's Glossier. Yeah, that's that right. You're not supposed to pronounce the R. I mean, as you can tell, like I am like very small town, yeah. <laughs> suburban Florida here. <laughs> I was really impressed with um, you know, with their response and their donation, and I think that that's the thing that like as I kind of mentioned before, like I follow a couple of brands, like even a local um a local brand that got called out because they refused to put Black Lives Matter in their statement. And then of course, like they get all of this backlash and then they release another statement and it's like, we're donating here, here and here. And like, and it's like, well, yeah, it's like damage control, you know, but I think that when brands kind of just, we're just responding to what happened to George Floyd and the pain that it caused by saying like, we're going to donate, we're going to put our money up and, uh, and I can't remember if Glossier donated 500,000 or a million, but um, I remember being like, you know, that is actually refreshing to see, you know, a brand do this when they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's meaningful. Like that's a meaningful amount of dollars. I mean, it's not like. Right. So I feel like a lot of followers are coming to you specifically for information about race or anti-racism. And, and before your most recent viral videos, your content was mostly fashion and lifestyle content. So I'm curious how you feel about this new role and like the expectations that are being placed on you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely felt like, I think there's a part of me that feels like, okay, like, I don't want people like hanging on for the next insightful thing that I'm going to say. Um, because again, my content isn't always serious. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, I focus mainly on lifestyle content, but as you mentioned, like fashion or like, here's a picture of my dog. Um, you know, I never have aspired to like, for my life mission to be anti-racism work. I admire those who do that, especially as Black people, because I cannot imagine how exhausting it is. But for me, I'm like, you know, I, that's not really what I'm feeling. So, I mean, I think that I probably put a lot of pressure on myself um, to keep creating and to keep educating people. So I've kind of just had to say like, okay, um, the good news is, is that people are so eager to learn right now that a part of me is like, even if I'm creating um, like more educational resources right now, videos, blog posts, whatever, about this topic, like everyone's listening. So yeah. like, this is the time to do it. And I know, I know that it will be spread and like my voice will be widely heard right now. But yeah, there is a part of me and I've even talked about this with my black blogger friends, like what happens if you just want to like share a picture of you and say something right. lighthearted, something silly. Like, are people still going to find that valuable? And at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, what I explained to, you know, one of my friends, as we were on the phone yesterday, actually talking about this. I'm like, even if thousands of people unfollow you, because they're like, all right, like, she's no longer <laughs> educating me, I'm done. I mean, you're still going to be in a better place than you were before this, talking specifically just about like your professional brand, and your reach and your your audience. So that's the first thing. And it's like, you don't want to burn out by taking on this role just because people are expecting it of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that I I have shared, um, I've written pieces both on my personal blog and for media outlets about 
anti-racism in the past. And I've always gotten a very modest response or just nasty responses. And so there was a part of me, once that video went viral, that was like, oh my gosh, people are listening. People are receptive. Like, let me share as much as I possibly can. And I very quickly realized like, you know, if I am going to, if I'm, if, if I do this, especially seven months pregnant, I will probably crash and burn very quickly. Um, you know, um, and that's the thing, like, even like I shared a video on microaggressions and like the comments that I get, again, I had to, I, I think something else that has probably helped me is not responding to every comment because the questions that some people are asking are just like, I don't know, just very, it's a lot. I feel you. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you want to know the, something that I saw that was so funny? Um, so my, our friend Ashley Spivey posted something on her story where she was getting just like a lot of feedback that was negative and frankly ignorant. And she like posted an example and she was like, and it was somebody being like, I'm going to unfollow you. And she was like, I love when trash takes itself out. No, literally. Well, I actually, (laughs) I posted on my stories and people loved it. I mean, I was actually mad when I posted it. Yeah. I was like, this isn't an airport. You don't have to announce your departure. Like, just leave. Just unfollow me. Don't don't message me. Someone messaged me literally and was like, so you think all cops are bad? This was a middle-aged white woman, which makes the message even funnier. You think all cops are bad? No. And then ended with girl, bye, with like 10 exclamation points. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. So I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, but that doesn't bother me as much as the thought that, man, maybe people are really just here to become like anti-racist and they're going to look at a picture of me and my husband or in a couple of months, me and my baby and be like, this is, this is stupid. <laughs> you know. So I think that that's what, that's what bothers me more. I'm still navigating it. You know, yeah. as I said, before we started recording, I feel like each week, it brings something completely mind blowing and unexpected. Yeah. Um, so I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. All right. We're going to take one more quick ad break to tell you about a podcast that we think you might like. So a lot is happening in the world right now. And personally, I'm finding it very hard to find the right balance of news consumption. So today we wanted to tell you about Skim This. It's a podcast from The Skim that cuts through the noise. So they're breaking down the biggest developments and the most complex stories of the week in under 30 minutes to give you the context on why they matter. Because in today's world, with so much changing, context is clarity. Skim This is clearing things up every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe and listen wherever you get podcasts. And that's Skim with two M's. Back to the episode. Well, I thought your solution to burnout and also like balancing anti-racist content and your quote unquote normal content was a really great, like elegant solution. And you created this like video collective with five other influencers. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So the funny thing is um, I... I was sharing, I think it was like my third or fourth Instagram TV video and people were so grateful and so like, oh my gosh, like so excited for this. But pregnancy has kept me up all night for like the past two weeks. I'm sorry. Like I felt like I wasn't getting any sleep. I was just like running on adrenaline and I was talking to one of my friends who happens to work in digital marketing and she just kind of mentioned, she was like, hey, you're going to, again, kind of what I said about just like churning out as much content as you can as quickly as possible. Like that isn't sustainable. Um, She's like, you need to spread it out both from like a marketing standpoint. So that way you have, you can kind of advertise this content and keep people coming back and you're not going to lose your mind 
mind because you're filming a new video every day. Um, so then I got to thinking and I talked to some black influencer friends like, hey, they they were also all sharing educational content. Like, what if we kind of divvied this up? Um, so that way you're only really having to talk about this one day a week unless you want to. And then we can kind of cross promote each other. So, I mean, that has been like, I think that that has been a huge load off of my shoulders and people have seemed to really enjoy um, the content so far and the fact that we're supporting each other. And it's just been a lot of fun, you know, brainstorming with friends and helping them come up with ideas for their videos. So that I think has been like a huge weight off my shoulders. I no longer feel like, oh my gosh, like all these eyes are on me. What am I going to tell them next? You know, I feel it's like helped me create boundaries, I think. That's awesome. I feel like the um, internet of influencer culture has been like so up in arms about the loop giveaways this year. And like, this is yes. the, this is like the positive version of the loop where it was like, this makes <laughs> yeah. sense. It's actually, like, it is a way to share followers and content in a way that is like useful and like, not just like follow these 10 people for a Peloton. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that it's so funny that you said that because someone else sent me that in a DM and I laughed so hard because I hadn't even considered that saying like, hey, follow me and my friends for educational anti-racist content. Right. Like probably <laughs> trigger some memories of follow me and my friends to one yeah. iPad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that that has been like the really good thing about it. Like I'm like, I have I, I post content regularly online as a part of my living. You know what I mean? So getting to do it with friends and talk about things that we're actually passionate about has has been, and have people listen mm -hmm. and respond and engage. It's been really, really cool. Do you guys think you're going to keep doing it? I think that like, well, I, the funny thing is, is like now we have so many topics like yeah. every day because I was kind of like, I don't know how long I want to do this. But then like, I already have like so many things that I'm like, we could talk about this or this or that. So I mean, I think we'll probably keep it going as long as we as long as we can, or as long yeah. as we, you know, want to. Yeah. Definitely for the next few weeks, at least, though. But I really think you have nothing to worry about in terms of losing followers or engagement. Like, I do think that most of us, like, scroll through. Like, anytime I follow a new account, I'm like, okay, I like this video. And then I scroll through, and I was like, oh, yeah, I like this girl's stuff a lot. And I think that you're only going to keep growing from here. Well, thank you. And I feel so, like, vain and shallow talking even about losing followers because it doesn't matter I think that it's more so just this idea that like there's suddenly all of this positive attention and it, again it, it just feels it feels very frenzied I think because it's happened so quickly yeah so then yeah. part of me is like this can't last we'll see I'll, I'll keep you guys posted check back in six months <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what life looks like um, we got a question from a reader, and I loved this. Um, she wrote, so you've been a content creator for almost three years before this. What is a post, article, or story that you would really like to resurface right now because you feel like maybe people missed it? Wow. That is – first of all, I love her for doing her research. Um, I feel very flattered. <laughs> um, you know, I think that um, I've kind of been very casually, like, linking to old articles on stories. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I've written extensively about pregnancy loss because I had a miscarriage last year, um, very unexpectedly due to a very rare complication. And I found it very therapeutic to write about, you know, so I think that that has been really cool. Um, you know, because I've, I have reshared those articles and I have gotten a really positive response. You know, I, I have written about mental health. I've honestly been afraid to, share those articles on stories only because I'm so behind on responding to messages. Like I realized when I shared the pregnancy loss 
article with my followers. Again, not being used to having like a hyper-engaged, larger audience that people wanted to reach out to me and share their own stories, which was so meaningful and like so unexpected. And I was so honored to even, you know, that these that anyone would trust me, you know, with the story about what they experienced when they miscarried. Um, but all of that to say that because I was struggling to respond to everyone, I was kind of like, okay, like I have to, and maybe this is me overthinking it, but I want to at least if I'm going to share about a topic like um, you know, mental health care in America, or which, you know, has been my experience being hospitalized for a depressive episode. I don't want to like, I just feel like I, I will feel like a horrible person if I boost something like that and then get all these messages. And then I'm like, sorry, I can't get to all my DMs. Like yeah. I'm busy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Give it a little, a little slow down. Right. You know, because I'm like, if people want, I, I, if people want to share their stories with me, I want to listen. I want to hold space for that. So the funny thing is I feel like I'm going to answer those by saying like the mental health things I've written, which you can find if you Google, but you won't see all my stories <laughs> until I get through all my DMs. I think that's fair. <laughs> that makes so much sense. So you can make yeah. room for those more important conversations. Right. No, for sure. And I think that that has kind of been, and what I'm trying to remember is that like, there is time for it all. You know, there's no deadline on it. Eventually, the conversation about racism in this country, although I hope that it continues, will probably not be happening like at at the rate that it is now. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to give myself time. Yeah. So I know you said that you have been overwhelmed and tired. Um, But one listener her question was, what's bringing you joy right now? Uh, That is really, really a good question. Honestly, I feel like seeing, seeing so many black creator creators and creatives and just black people, you know, in all industries being highlighted. um, Honestly, this is probably going to sound very petty and snarky, but seeing brands and people being called out for enabling racism, you know, I mean, I think it's so long overdue that it is, you know, it's great. I mean, so many of these changes that are happening, I mean, even like I saw yesterday that NASCAR no longer will allow Confederate flags at their events. And, um, my Facebook feed was like, it blew up with people who were like super excited. I was like, Confederate flags were allowed at NASCAR events. I'm so glad and you said that because I feel really ignorant. My whole face just dropped. I was like, that's allowed? <laughs> like, oh. I mean, well, we also- live in liberal, in the li- very liberal north. Like, if you saw a Confederate <laughs> flag in New York City, you'd be like, what the fuck? Even- that also, is- we're not avid followers of NASCAR. You could tell no. me anything was allowed in NASCAR and I would I probably know. be like, oh, okay. Well, Didn't know I, have that, to- but- I have to to be clear with you guys that I live so anyone who's in Tampa, Florida will know exactly what I'm talking about. Right off of Interstate 4 and I-75 in Tampa, there is a giant Confederate flag <laughs> that flies year round. I mean, I will have to like text you guys a picture of this thing. It is massive. It's on private property. I was so going to say is it like a it. business or like whose Confederate flag so it's is like, it? So it's like I think it's like the local like Sons of Confederate Veterans or whatever, but it's it's like the biggest Confederate flag you've ever seen and it literally what welcomes you into town. So because I live in Florida, for me, like I do see the Confederate flag, um, but still. And then there was like backlash and people are mad. They're not allowing the Confederate flag. Um, 
So oh, honestly, God. I feel like I've like lost track of the question. This poor listener was probably just like, talk about like your baby and your dog. And I'm like, NASCAR not allowing the Confederate flag. That's what brings me joy. But, hey, you know, I, don't let anyone police what brings you joy. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I think that like we're seeing these changes that I would have never thought would happen, even like renaming military bases and knocking down Confederate statues, like things that have been long overdue. Um, you know, I do feel like, wow, like something is really shifting here. I mean, I even saw that they canceled cops, which I was like, oh, I saw wow. that. Wow. Like, Good. That, but that to me, I was like, I didn't know that was know, still on. Me neither. And I also like, I didn't even, I, I get why they canceled it, but I guess that like things like that just kind of show me like something is real, like, Maybe this is more than just like a viral thing. Like there are things that are happening um, that I never thought would happen. One of my good friends lives in Mississippi, which if you didn't know, still has the Confederate flag on their state flag. Oh, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that either. I feel I, I feel so deeply envious of you guys for living in New York. <laughs> just because I feel like the South is such just just a complete but disaster. it can be a bubble here too. Like we're just like, oh my god, right. that's horrible. Um, and we just don't know some of these things. No, I like, I totally come move I to mean, New York. Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually tried to convince my husband to move to Brooklyn, but he pointed out that we just bought a house in the suburbs of Florida. So yeah, but after we were in Brooklyn, and I was like, we should live here. It yeah. wasn't very like it was a fleeting thought. But no, but now they're trying to remove again baby steps. So they're trying to remove the Confederate flag off of the Mississippi state flag because it is still on there. Wow. <laughs> so it's wild. There, there are things that are happening that I'm like, okay, like this has changed. that is long overdue. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think that that is, that has honestly been the most joyful thing about this whole thing, even though it's stemming from like these horrible, horrible incidents Yeah. Um, that people are waking up, you know, it, and, you know, people are saying, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's been that's been awesome and, and long overdue. So, Ayana, you have been such an excellent guest. In the oh, my gosh. In the tradition of our podcast, um, we always have our own, but then give every guest their own desperation minute to tell them what can people do for you? Where can they follow you? How can they support you? Can you tell people all your places on the Internet? Of course. I always get nervous spelling out my handle because it's so many letters. It's my name. So, sh- you know, you'd, you'd think that I'd be able to spell it. But <laughs> okay. So my Instagram is at Ayana Gabrielle Lage. Um, so it's A-Y-A-N-A and then G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E. And then I come up. So <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't spell, I can't spell out the whole thing because it's just it, – I. I I have this we will fear also, of messing it up. We will put a link in the show notes as well, yeah. so you can just click through as well. Bless yeah. you. Um, yeah, and I mean, that is probably the best place to find me these days. I'm also on Twitter, and it's just on my first and last name. You have a great Ayana blog, Lage. too. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't update it, so that's very kind of you. I mean, this pregnancy, I think I posted three times. But um, yeah, both Twitter and my blog are just my first and last name, um, A-Y-A-N-A-L-A-G-E. So Twitter and then Um, So yeah, no, I would love to connect with anyone. Please go show. follow her. She is has been such a ray of light and I am oh. enjoying following her so much. Same. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Oh, you're the best. 
So, Grace, shall we get into some end meta? Yeah, let's talk about Instagram. Okay. So I have three. I'm still just sharing all of the amazing Black creators that I have followed recently. So I have three different ones in three different veins. The first one is Simply Sin, S-I-M-P-L-Y-C-Y-N. Do you follow her? I don't think so. I'm looking her up as we speak. Okay, she is so stylish. She is seven months pregnant with twins, and she dresses better than I have ever dressed in my life. Oh, she's very, very chic. She has a lot of good dresses. She has. It is my style. Like, it is, like, bright, flowy, fun dresses. I am so into her style. I also feel so schlubby in comparison to her um, because she is just, like, slaying this at seven months pregnant. So then my second one is um, her name is Monique Melton, and she is an anti-racist educator. And her handle is uh, Mo Motivate. So it's M-O-E Motivate, M-O-T-I-V-A-T-E. And I really like her. I discovered her through a video that she did about anti-racism, and I can't remember what the specific topic was, but I especially like her Instagram Live. So if you go back through like the live page of her story for the replays, I think she does such a good job. I think she saves them to her TV. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So she has all of them still on her yeah. profile. Um, and then the third one is Tiffany Ima. So T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-I-M-A. I love her. Love her. So this is the person I was alluding to in the intro, and she is a wellness influencer and body positivity advocate, but she has, especially in her captions, has just like such great advice. And she is somebody who I was saying that I've just been having some like body negativity, but she is somebody who has been making me feel more sane and seen, I guess. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying her. I started following her when she, um, Jackie Claire from York Avenue blog sent me her page because I was getting frustrated because people were starting some like pointless arguments on my Instagram page. And she had a really good thing on her grid, which is if you look at the post, it says stop starting pointless arguments. And it's like a whole thread of like ways to be a better ally. Awesome. Who have you brought to the party? So I brought, these are kind of like three social justice accounts that I'm following. The first one is I am a voter and I am actually on their advisory board, which I don't know what it, that means besides just they send me things to share on my social media accounts and I've been sharing it. But, um, you know, it is so important to vote. I think that these local elections especially are the biggest way that we can impact change and, you know, get in some of the people who aren't going to be voting for things that are causing oppression. So that's one. It's just, I am a voter. Definitely follow them. They're giving like really good updates and just reminders and all of the key dates that you need to know. The second one is something I found fascinating and I think it needs to maybe be a little bit better organized, but it's just called influencer pay gap. And this is all these people are writing in anonymously with, um, their race, their audience size, their engagement rate, and what the most money they've ever been paid for a campaign is. And it's fascinating because it's so all over the board. Like there are people with like 15,000 followers that have like are getting campaigns for like thousands and thousands of dollars. And then there's creators with like 250,000 followers and they're like, I've never been paid more than $250. And you're like, what is happening? So I think that I hope that they kind of like take their accounts to the next level. I like have a lot of ideas for them. I actually messaged them. I was like, 
if you want like help making a website because victoria our friend was like we need to like help them because i think it's just like such an interesting account and the last one is an account i really love and that is called pull up for change and you guys have probably already seen it but what they are doing is they're encouraging every single brand to reveal how many um, black employees they have how many poc employees they have and um kind of just like explain pledge to do better because obviously and one of the reasons I like this account is that it is not they're not like mean about it like I think sometimes accounts like this can get a little aggressive and like I'm all for calling people out when they're not doing a good job but like I think that you're gonna get it's a lot more productive to encourage people to do a better job so what they're doing is regramming all of these accounts that have now committed to change and to hiring more black employees and what I'm really excited for is you know it you can't just like snap your fingers and make this problem go away. But I would, I cannot wait to see what the next six months and the next year bring as these companies move forward and make some change. Awesome. What about on the obsession side? I will tell you that I'm not obsessed with anything right now. I, I couldn't think of anything. So I did a lot of shopping from black owned brands, like a lot. And I'm going to have some like really good obsessions to share with you guys. Like probably every week for the rest of summer because I I bought like eight things. Um, I haven't bought anything because I haven't been shopping. Yeah, these are these are two little things. Okay. The first is called a Love Scrub, L-U-V-S-C-R-U-B. And I posted a review to my blog, but it's $18 and it's like the best like loofah, like body exfoliator ever. Okay. And you know how much I love body wash i should have got you one i think you'd really like it it leaves your skin so soft but it um it's kind of like i used to have a salix washcloth which is like a plasticky washcloth and it exfoliates this one's more fabricy. it's like it feels almost silky to the touch but when you lather it up with your shower gel it like really exfoliates and like gets your skin so soft oh maybe i will buy one of those i absolutely love it and it comes in six colors there's a black one if you're like a total minimalist i got sunset which is like a darker version of millennial pink okay um and then my other one is from a brand called clure and that's spelled k-l-u-r and they are an amazing beauty company they're still very small but i ordered their body oil because it had such good reviews and it smells incredible like neroli and orange blossom it's so nice and i was pleased to see that a little goes a long way because i was kind of like like I really like this, like, but it's like, I want to say it was around $60 for the bottle. You have a heavy hand with products too. I know, I do. And, you know, I am spoiled because as someone who writes about beauty products, like things are constantly coming through the door, but I love this oil. I paid for, I paid for both of these with my own money and she has a lot of other skincare products and I do want to try a few more, but I just really like what she's doing. And I also love the packaging that it came in. Like so many beauty brands, like there's tons of plastic when you get your delivery. And I get it. Like they want to keep it safe, especially if things are in glass bottles. But she packaged the oil inside the carton. And then it came inside this padded envelope that was made from all recycled paper. So there was no plastic in the envelope. And I just think they're like a really cool conscious company and also the last thing i'll say is that the packaging is very pretty it's like simple minimalist glass brown bottles okay yeah i'm a big fan of both of these two things okay yeah 
I didn't have a low. You don't have an obsession. We're just kind of one for one. It's a little Swiss cheesy over here on our yeah. our podcast topics. I have two books, though. Ooh, share. Okay, so I finished Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld, which I had been reading last week. I netted out. It is worth reading in that I do think it was, a, I think Morgan Hoyt said on her story when she reviewed it that she was like, it was very cathartic. Okay. And it was. Like, it is about Hillary Clinton. It is about a fictional life that Hillary Clinton could have had. And it was very cathartic to see Hillary get good things. So I enjoyed that. It was also very weird because it is a book about a real person, but it is not a biography. So it is like fictional as a fictionalized imagination of what her life could have been like. So I found it weird and confusing to to like read about Hillary Clinton and to separate real Hillary Clinton and this fictional Hillary Clinton in my mind. Yeah. So it was a strange mental experience. That makes sense. But I felt like that after reading The Royal We. Like I kept like, I know it was like Kate Middleton fan fiction. For some reason, I didn't feel that way. And maybe it's because they just had different names. So even yeah. though I knew it was supposed to be Kate and Will, it wasn't like they. Ha- it was Nick and Beck. So I was able to separate it more. I don't know. Interesting. Because yeah, you're right. I didn't have that experience with that book. And I just had like, I don't know, I had a very weird experience with the duality of real Hillary Clinton and fake Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So I finished that one. Then I read Homegoing by Yaa Jossie. That's Holy on my list. Holy shit. Don't worry, Grace. I'm gonna like fucking pawn it off on you and like force you to sit down and read it. Oh, I can't wait. I just, oh my god. So this was a book that was recommended by Erica Cerullo in our episode about our favorite books by Black authors. And it actually is a book that I already owned because I had bought it years ago when it was released and it had like a lot of buzz around it. And I never read it because in my head, I had thought that it was going to be very dense and very serious. Yeah. Like I thought it was kind of going to be a slog. Yeah. You know, like it was going to be one of those books that was literary, but was hard to read. And I just like never felt in the mood. So after that episode and then in the Facebook group, so many of you also echoed that recommendation that I was like, I got to read it. And all of my books that I've bought by Black authors off of that episode are all backordered. So they're coming. They're just none of them have come yet. So I was like, oh, I already have this one. I'm going to read this. Grace. It is so mind-blowingly good. It is the best book I've read this year. Like it is a six-star book on a five-star scale. It is so good. So it is about um, a family and um, there's two sisters sisters, Afia and Essie, and um, they actually don't know each other. And one of them is sold into slavery and she goes to America. And then the other one marries a British soldier in Ghana, what will present day Ghana. Um, the book then follows their descendants through six more generations. Oh my God. So each chapter is told by a different descendant. So you kind of just get like a glimpse into their life. And it starts in the late 1700s and um, goes through the 1900s. And it is so good. It's so good. Can I have it? Yes. Are you done? Yeah, you can okay. have it. Um, I'm going to give you Patsy when I finish because that's what I'm reading. It's so good. And it was – so I said that I thought it was going to be dense. I sat down to start reading it on Sunday night. I had to force myself to stop reading and go to bed. Like Uh, I very much – for this weekend. I very much was like, I'm going to stay up all night and read this. But then I was like, that's a bad idea. You have to do work. Don't do that. Ooh, I can't wait to read it. Tell me about what you're reading. So I'm still reading Patsy by Nicole Dennis-Ben. And – 
I love it, but it is a little bit more of a slog because it's it's honestly it's really depressing and it's really sad. So this is um this woman, her name is Patsy. She has a five year old daughter and she lives in Jamaica and she just dreams of a better life. Her whole like her whole life, all she's wanted to do is move to America. And it comes out throughout the book that she's suffered like horrible abuse as a child and it um and you you understand why she wants to move. But um you know, she's a mother and she leaves her five year old daughter with her like ex-boyfriend and his new wife and his new family and just ups and moves. And she has this friend, Sicily, and Sicily has like married this this very affluent man who's like not a good person. Um, and she gets there and she's just let down. And basically she finds herself um, nannying and working as a bathroom attendant and really struggling to make ends meet. And, you know, right now she's been in New York for 12 years and like it's 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 quite sad um and I feel like I I love how it's written and it's so moving like just like the look at friendship and rejection and love and loss and like feeling these conflicted feelings because I was like so angry at her for a lot of the first part of the book for just like leaving her daughter um but you understand you also have so much empathy for her it's really powerful but um I'm about 75% through and I'll probably finish it tonight or tomorrow but I have to say it's like it's it's very sad okay yeah but I love it well if you are looking for another book by a black author we are reading clap when you land by Elizabeth Acevedo for our June book club and we're going to be discussing it next week and it's actually a really quick read. It is written in verse. So it almost looks like a poem, but it, it reads like sentences. And um, it's about two sisters, uh, one in New York and then one in the Dominican Republic. And um, they don't know about each other until their father dies unexpectedly in a plane crash. And they're grappling with their grief and also discovering the fact that they had an unknown to them sister. I love this book. Um, I love this book. I also love this author. She's one of my all-time favorite authors. And I'm so excited about this book. I, I can't wait to discuss it. So if you haven't picked it up, grab a copy and we'll be discussing next week. And can I tell them the thing? Yeah, tell them the thing. We're also going to have a bonus episode with Elizabeth Acevedo, which I'm so excited about because she has also written With the Fire on High, which is one of my favorite books that I read last year. So I'm so so excited to chat with her it's so big that she said yes to us we are are like such fans of hers and we had wanted to have her at our dc live show but the dates didn't work out so this is really big we can't wait we're so excited so that's what we got for you join our facebook group if you want book recs want to chat um you can follow the podcast on instagram at bad on paper podcast i'm on instagram at becca m freeman Please listen to Rom-Com Pods, my other podcast, if you haven't. It is basically like a Hallmark movie in podcast form. And if you like reading schmaltzy rom-com books, I think you will love it. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. I blog every single day. Well, not always on Sundays at thestripe.com. And um, go on Amazon and buy one of my dresses tomorrow. Or shirts. I have two shirts. It's only available for 30 hours, so do it fast. Yeah, it's going to probably sell out, I I hope. I don't want to jinx it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.